This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. The Queen's Gambit. So many people. I know this has happened for you, but it just keeps happening for me every day. Someone's like, are you watching it? Are you watching it? Are you watching it? I know, right? exactly. So, so this teaser episode is almost a response. <laughs> yes, we're watching it. Yes, yes. we're going to cover it. It's on our radar. It is. We are on it. Just covering episode one. Well, you know, we wanted to be sure that we were into it and we we were. We did have some hesitation because there is no female creator behind the scenes of this one. Right. But it seemed to be such a strong protagonist that so many of our women friends were were relating to or intrigued by and wanted us to know about. I mean, that doesn't happen a lot that people are reaching out like the way they are for this one so we got to break the rules or at least figure out how to make it work for us and that's what we're doing so the episode opens we are told that it's paris in 1967 and we see this younger woman washing down two pills with vodka and leaving someone in her bed although it is very unclear who or what is in her bed it kind of looks like a child is it it's very strange i right? don't know who's in her bed no i mean she's just fished herself out of the bathtub i guess she passed out or fell asleep yeah and then she's running around she's clearly late for something and maybe maybe i thought it was a child because there was clearly someone knocking like pounding on the door and that we see her running through the hallway and and we get there and she sits down she apologizes for being late she sits down stares into her opponent's eyes and we get we go to immediate flashback yeah. which is interesting because i feel like l- lately the mo is to put flashbacks later on to let the story go and then put flashbacks maybe in each episode and i'm really kind of happy they did it this way and we'll talk about that a little bit more but so we we get this immediate flashback we see a car accident and we know very very quickly that her mother has committed suicide so she's on her way to an orphanage because her father, as one of the women put it, it was another victim of a carefree life. Yeah. Which that, I was like, ugh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, how about even when they, when she gets at the scene of the crime, the police say, oh, you know, there's not a scratch on her. Like, she's like a miracle. And, and the other guy's like, I doubt she'll see it that way. So mm-hmm. you, it's also, you think, hmm, how did she just gets out without a scratch on her? So she's destined for something, I think. Well, for chess greatness, I think. But I don't think that's giving anything away. Yes, not giving anything away, yeah. Uh, We also see, and I was going to say maybe it's because she's a Scorpio. Because we see on her papers as as the head of the orphanage is looking. She was born November 2nd, 1948. So that makes her a Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And then she arrives at the orphanage and she's introduced to two people, Mr. Ferguson and then Miss Lonsdale, who says she teaches etiquette to the girls. Where in the hell does Miss Lonsdale go? Do we see her for the whole rest of the episode? 
I don't think so. I, I was like, what happened? I And I found her to be such an intriguing character. She's the one who said that great line I loved about another victim of a carefree life. That's what yeah, a Yeah, and then she's gone. And then she's gone. And then, <laughs> and then Mr. Ferguson, he is whisked away very quickly by Jolene's foul mouth who called <laughs> so oh he he kind of runs away right as soon as he meets Beth and I was a little suspect this given that this is Kentucky in 1958 I was a little suspect of how effortlessly integrated that Jolene and Mr. Ferguson yeah. two African-American black characters were but instead of just kind of being a, a typical northerner who's like, isn't the South all racist and horrible? I did a little research and it seems ah. that Kentucky has a very complicated history with civil rights. So they are one of the four border states that during the Civil War refused to abolish slavery, but also wouldn't leave the Union and did not side with the South. Oh. Yeah, and they were one they were the last state in the South to introduce racially segregated schools and one of the first to break down racial barriers in higher education. So I it's enough for me to believe that this could have happened. These are right, just right. two people that are being treated as human beings and and that this could have happened. Yeah, and definitely are. And Jolene has a you know a major role. I mean, she's her she's her buddy, her confidant. You know. But I wonder if that's why they chose Kentucky, or though. But then I wonder why the South, why the fifties. I have so many questions, and that's a great thing. You know, not questions that made me unsure about wanting to go forward. These were questions that I'm like, what is you know what's going on here, and right, how right. is this going to be part of the story, and why did they make? Because you know, as a writer you have to make all of these choices the chessboard on the ceiling i thought that that imagery to me was was very cool it's one thing to say i see the board in my mind yes. and another for me to see it it's like it comes to life these huge figures it leads to one of my favorite moments in the whole episode which is when she's with this cranky janitor man and he's just <laughs> never n- yeah never yeah. cracks a smile or never flinches and it's such a wonderful moment when she Mm -hmm. says so does this mean I'm good now and he says you're astounding and he just smiles yes Mm -hmm. that was that was one of my favorite parts that was amazing after she's beaten him several times now yes what else did you well I think just the the addiction element here like just the fact Mm -hmm. that they were giving her, you know, at first when they get online, I mean, it's very early on when, you know, she's giving, you know, gets her hair cut and gets dressed. And then it's like, and then there's just one more stop. Mm-hmm. And you get online and there's just like handing out like what appears to be like candy, except, oh, they're vitamins. Yeah. And, you know, that that whole storyline to me just is, first of all, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I assume that did happen. you know at that time at orphanages and at a certain point in the episode you know Jolene says well you know the state cracked down on them so you know they they got busted if you will but I mean they're they're giving tranquilizers to kids although I Um, loved what she said to her the first thing she said to her was hold the green one because otherwise it'll you know they wanted to make the kids subdued all day and then just go to sleep 
And she's like, it's going to run out just when you want it to kick in. So hold on yes. to that one. I like that, that. Jolene knows mm-hmm. exactly. And then, yeah. of course, she doesn't listen to her at first. But and she's like wobbling around. But then, she, then when they stop giving it to her, you know, and you see what the the withdrawal and Jolene's like, oh, basically like, oh, no, like what's uh, what's going on here? Because we also have seen she's not taking them the way everyone else is. And she's not even taking them the way Jolene said, just take them at night. Sometimes she's holding them back. She's taking multiple. At a time. Yeah. Exactly. And it you you know from the very opening shot that we discussed when she's an adult that once she gets herself out of the bathtub and is trying to race down to this chess match, the one thing she's looking for is her little green pills. So you now see where, of course, where this all started. And it seems I I took it as she almost, like she can't play without them. Is that, you know what I mean? Like she gets those visions on the ceiling after she takes them. And the more she takes them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Jolene hands her right Mm -hmm. before she's going over to play at the high school. And she finds her a couple and is like, here, you know, she's sort of an, an enabler there, but yeah. she was trying to help her out. Yes. But because this is a big moment for her and to have just had the with, you know, having them taken away from her at that time was it would have sucked. So I did. Yeah. I did kind of. So I get why that. it would calm her down in order mm-hmm. to help her play. But I also would think it would. I don't know. To me, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to take tranquilizers but i would think that it might like mellow you out too much but i guess it's what helps see sort of i had a brain yeah i had focus. imagined it like i know they called it tranquilizer i don't know drugs at all so like yeah but i had imagined it more like a ritalin or an adderall where she's super focused yeah so i guess i mean that seems to be the effect it has on her it does Yeah, so maybe that's just, yeah, what they call it. But I don't know. I've never taken Ritalin or Adderall. But even when she took took the green tablet at first, before she... Right, that's right. She was kind of like woozy woozy and stuff. She put her hand on that hot... Right, but either way, it seems to have the effect on her of helping her play chess, which of course Mm -hmm. is why this is going to become addictive to her because if she thinks she needs that, then... yeah. That to me, that storyline, you know, that what leads to the ending, which I just thought I loved the ending. I, I just. What did you love? I just thought it was, I just love the way it was shot, the music that's playing in the background that's mm. going along with the, with the movie yeah. that's playing. And then just like how she, I just thought it was so cinematic and like she just stands there at the end holding the jar, like, and then it, you know, just smashes and she just like, like oh that part yeah yeah yeah. everyone watching her like that to me was just I was like holy shit like it was like such a climax yes when when the jar fell and smashed and then she just went sideways yeah that that was very intense yeah that, that I thought that was that was really really cool how they did that I did think the portrayal of of her addict mind was really both accurate and fascinating but it is hard for me to isolate. I know that it is something that's helping her play chess, or at least she believes that it is. 
but you wonder like what brings her to the addiction because it's not really it doesn't seem that it's just I want it to make me play better it is does seem to be some sort of dependency right like something she needs so and and she's got I think brilliantly the story does this put so many things in the pot at the same time right is it her dad's abandonment her mother's suicide and is she somewhat is she on the spectrum of autism she doesn't have or is it just that she's kind of has the trauma of what has happened or you know you don't know if she doesn't really make eye contact a lot she doesn't speak a lot is she just in her head it's really hard to know anything that's going on right that is bringing her to this place where being addicted to that is the right answer right I don't think that's it's not just not everyone gets addicted you know certainly not when they take one tranquilizer right so right right. she seems to have a disposition whether that's trauma wise or brain chemistry history family history whatever it is They've planted a lot of seeds and it could be almost any of those things. Yeah. I was thinking it was the seeds of the trauma and the maybe a family history, given the flashbacks we see of her mother who, you know, is, is, there's certainly some sort of mental issues there. I mean, the, the, the father saying like, I can't keep following you. You can't keep doing this. Like there's, she's taken her daughter out to a trailer to live somewhere she's burning shit i mean that woman her mother who's been to that point the only role model she's had i mean it seems Mm -hmm. like she's been separated from the father for a while certainly an unstable person so Mm -hmm. I, i mean i didn't know if it was there's sort of sort of a family history of meta mental issues i was thinking that and the trauma i mean and then you're a nine-year-old and they're just handing you what appear to be somewhat addictive pills. Well, you know? although it doesn't seem to be affecting anyone else. Oh, no. Well, Jolene says we're going to have some jumpy kids yeah. around here. I so think me- it's just Jolene is like kind of streetwise and figured right. out how to manage it better. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't see it affecting any other kids, but she does say that. Right. She does. And then even to me... It's all wrapped up with the chess, but then you see how she replaces the ch- the pills with chess, right? And that that becomes an addiction. Jolene says, "Your poor mind." After she says she's going to spend all night thinking about yeah. chess moves, and yeah. I mean that just really resonated with me because, you know, even without substances or self destructive behaviors, yeah. I think we talked about this in the Jessica Simpson episode. I just have an addict mind, and it isn't about the substance; it's about the thinking she clearly has that yeah she definitely does and you're right the chess then becomes that yeah what she's addicted to did you think at any point i I don't know maybe this was just me but i kept waiting for there to be something sort of bad about one of these like uh, characters like with Mrs. Deerdorf, that's her name, right? The woman who runs the orphanage. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand they're giving kids tranquilizers. That's not good. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I mean, I was waiting for like, 
know, she seems very nice. She seems to mm-hmm. want to help her, but the, her voice is so saccharine sweet, you know, mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. what's she really going to do here? She's probably bullshit. But so far, like, she's yeah. she's not, or even Schneebel at first, Schneebel, the... I mean, he's not the friendliest and he's just like the custodian down right. in the basement drinking whiskey. I'm like, oh God, this is going to end badly. Like, yeah. you know, I kept waiting for like somebody to do something, you know, I don't right. want to say like abuse or, mm-hmm. so, but it's not, right? Like, yeah. why am I looking for the dark side? I think those are the, the orphanage. Well, I think that's the way we've seen it portrayed yeah. most for yeah. the most part. So I don't blame you you know even right? in the campy but, ones from miss hannigan yeah you know, to, i think that's what i'm thinking and any portrayal i think is includes some aspect of either a headmistress that that beats them or makes them right you know unreasonable right. work and then or abuse because no one's really being supervised i, I think the addiction is that right the yes fact it that is that, that they're allowed to have these and p- abuse them the way she does because no one's right. really watching. And, or, and also yeah. that she's playing chess in a basement. Now, I, I know nothing seems to happen to her, at least not in this first episode, but she's clearly not being supervised. Is you know, Clearly. Right. Although when she gets busted for it and when the chess club high school teacher invites mm-hmm. her over there and... And asks Mrs. Deardorff again that scene when when he walks out, I'm thinking, oh, well, she was real nice to him in mm-hmm. front of this other outsider. Yeah. But then she's like, I understand you've been playing chess in the basement. And I'm like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> this is weird. And she's sort of like, you know, like, let's I'm start, sure let's we can get find them upstairs. you a chess yes. upstairs. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't have to play in a basement. Yes. And I'm like, oh. Again, yeah. you su- surprised me there. Um, yeah. I was expect at each point. I'm expecting, like you said, sort of the stereotypical, right? You know, which is orphanage. just really good writing, right? To keep you on your toes, yeah. to to load you locked and loaded with all of these stereotypes, and then you know dismiss them or not use them or turn yeah. them on their head. Mm-hmm. That w- that was also such a kind of compelling aspect to this. I also like the scene where after she beats all the kids in the high school and then she comes back and yes. I guess she won maybe a box of chocolates for winning. I don't know. But she's downstairs, chocolate all over her lips, telling Mr. Sheenbo, like basically how she kicked all their asses. Like it's her first sort of moment of like basically bragging, but in awesome way. She's like, please. And then I took him in two moves. And then this one, as she just got like chocolate streaming uh-huh. down her face. Yeah. And it was such a reminder that she's nine years old, right? Exactly. Like she's, this is, she's eats chocolate with complete abandon and doesn't care that it's all over her face. And that's what happens somehow with nine-year-olds. And yeah. And yeah. that you're genuinely excited when you like win something, mm-hmm. like kick somebody's butt. I liked that. Yes, that good. I did. I did like that. And it was right. Did the did the duty of also telling her, showing us how old she was. But then also, this was another piece that I'm not sure about, and that I'm excited to see is how will she get so wrapped up in chess because it doesn't seem like she loves it necessarily but that was the moment up until that moment I was like does she like this does she love it what's going on Mm -hmm. and then she does say it at one point to him to the custodian and she says like 
I don't I like it or or it feels good or something but it's very kind of offhanded and she again is not particularly expressive until this moment when she's eating the chocolate and she's just like oh I bound him up in 15 moves and exactly so mocking them yeah so we can see that that's it's really having an impression on her Right, right and I know we talked about the pills already but how and the ending but I, we forgot, I forgot to say that when she shoves them in her mouth, oh, yeah. that was scary. That was oh. really First scary. First of all, even before that, how are all these people taking pills without water? Well, well, they're just <laughs> popping these things. These, they're like horse-sized pills and they're all just like, whoop, just chucking them back. And I'm like, mm, okay. But yeah. yeah, when she goes to grab the jar oh and gosh. just reaches her hands in. Yes. And of course, I think, I think she's just going to put them in her pockets. But the first yeah, thing she does is shove, shove them up. in her mouth. Yeah. That shows the level of addiction or dependency. Like I will just get, once I get my hands on these, I'm just going to inhale them. That was frightening. Frightening. Yeah. 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 Really. It was a very dramatic end. It was. Right. Because it doesn't for- even end there. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just of her falling over and them all staring and I'm like, holy shit, mm-hmm. that is a that is an ending to a pilot episode, first episode. It right? is. Yes. It's just pretty flawless. And that is hard to do, as we know. And very hard yeah, to do. Yeah, like you said at the beginning, I agree with you. I hadn't thought about that, that we've seen so many shows where the flashbacks are interspersed and I really like this is like the origin story, you know, and but we we at least got that taste at the beginning of her being what is clearly a successful, you know, the press is there, everyone's mm-hmm. coming to watch her. She's now become what appears to be a famous chess player where right. rows and rows of men sitting mm-hmm. there in the audience to watch her. And so then to just go straight back to, oh, well, how did I get here? And to get that story in full, I like that. Yes, and how rich it is as far as so a father abandons her, mother commits suicide with her in the car, and then the yeah. orphanage. And I, there's just a lot going on here. And it takes any question out of her addiction. And it's not, it, it takes you right off guard. Right. If we had started with her and seen more of her as a 19 year old in in Paris, maybe we'd have been like, what is wrong with her? Why can't she get her act together? And this kind of cuts undercuts that right away in a good way, in a a way that makes you I think we're going to easily believe what's coming next. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a a long road of addiction. It would would be my guess from waking up in the bathtub with the someone in the bed and needing pills. And your clothes on, I think. Yes. Was, yes. Yeah. I mean, so she's a she's a hot mess when she when she starts. So, yeah, that's we we know where it's going. Yes. Well, but uh, not. But at but the same time, not you're at right. all. I mean, no, I had right. so right. many questions aside from, you know, what role does Kentucky play? What role does the fifties play? How does she get from Kentucky to Paris as a 19-year-old? Mm-hmm. You know, where is this going? And what happens what, in between? Yeah. And how much, I mean, I've only watched the first one 
how much of this is will we stay in flashback or is the next episode going to be as back in Paris as the 19 year old and will it go back and forth and I I don't know but and I don't even care I'm hooked no matter what I want to know where we're going and where the story and I trust that wherever they bring me next is going to be interesting and and worth watching yes yeah and something I, I know just from the concept of the show that is coming is this idea that she's in this man's world and that mm-hmm. chess is, is mostly full of men, and but that she's obviously dominating it. And we already get to see that a little bit, right? Because it's the, the male custodian that, that teaches her. Well, first he says girls don't play chess. But oh, then, yes. I didn't yeah, remember he does that. say that That's to her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When she first asks. Okay. Mm-hmm. But and, then, yes, you're right. And then it most there's the one young woman in and high school class, but it's mostly all men or you know boys, whatever how old they are. So we see that right off the bat. And then of course yeah. in Paris, we also see that's all men too. So I'm excited to explore that aspect of it and see where that's gonna go. I know that we've talked about it a few times, this idea of masculinity, not relating to gender or, mm-hmm. you know, anything having to do with actual men, but the masculine and how we've talked about it in relation to the law and were we drawn to the law because we had these masculine qualities and have these qualities become stronger because of the male dominated fields we've, we've worked in. I'm, I'm interested to see where she falls on that. Yeah. And particularly in the 1960s. I mean, this is, that was, that would, that was even more atypical then. Right. Like to be a woman dominating in a man's field. I mean, unfortunately, it's still somewhat atypical in a lot of industries today. But in 1960s, the fact that she is, as, at least as far as we can tell, dominating in this field. Right. And how she'll be regarded and how she deals with it. Yeah. That's going to have a lot of built in obstacles. Exactly. And just, yeah, how she deals with it and how they deal with her and how that becomes part of the storyline. I'm, I'm interested to see. And, and how she thrives. And is she just a man? This is my what I'm most interested to see. And I'm guessing because so many people are recommending it that she's not going to just act like a man in a woman's body. But I don't know what's what right. that's going to look like in this case. Right, exactly. I doubt it, but based again on what you're saying and what we've heard from people, I think she's going to find her own way. Yeah, and also be discriminated against for being a woman or treated differently mm-hmm. for being a woman. So there, yes, that that makes it different right away. Yeah, I think that def- we've already seen hints of that, and that yeah. I, I would imagine is gonna is gonna keep going. So we're going to cover it as a full episode, correct? Yes, we'll we do want it. people to come on back in a week and we'll do we'll yeah. have the whole season binged and have a full episode with scenes and damage and all that good stuff. Her damage is <laughs> we've seen hints of the damage already. This isn't one where we're going to have to go looking for it. No. No, no, it's right there in the first episode, right? It's exactly. all right there. That's right. We've already talked about that, but we'll recap There it. could be more, though, I'm there sure. There could be more. That's right. We're, we are on board for the Queen's Gambit. 
we want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology, and we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You. Every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves, from the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash pop fiction women. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.